Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And we have a very special episode for you today, actually, particularly for our Nebraska educators, as we're going to share out some work that's being done kind of behind the scenes at this uh, point in time to help support our Nebraska educators really in the rural setting, but statewide with remote learning supports and just the opportunity to, yeah, really bring some intentionality around when we move to that type of setting, should that come up again in the future. And so I'm excited today to welcome Jack Bowles and John Scaretta and Vern Fisher. And so the four of us are all going to talk a little bit about this NERCSA plus ESU collaboration that's going on. Uh, and so I'm just going to let the these guys get an opportunity to introduce themselves. So let's uh, let's start with John, actually, if you would. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, backstory, and education, and we'll just kind of go around the horn. Sure thing. Hey, thanks for having us on, Andrew. My name is John Scretta. I'm the administrator at Educational Service Unit 6. So we're headquartered in Milford and serve 16 public school districts within our service area. And we have districts east from Waverly all the way west to Heartland, which would be the Henderson-Bradshaw area. I'm in my second year as an ESU administrator. Prior to that, served as a school district superintendent, district administrator, high school principal, and uh, started out back in the day as a reading and English language arts teacher at the high school level. Great to be on. Yeah, terrific. Bringing a lot of different lenses uh, with, with John's perspective. And Vern, if you would. Hi, Andrew. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. My name is Vernon Fisher. I'm the superintendent of Gibbon Public Schools. I am starting my fourth year here in Gibbon. Uh, we're a school district of 600 kids nestled in between Grand Island and Kearney. My previous experiences, I've been a uh, superintendent in other settings, an assistant superintendent. I've also been a classroom teacher, building principal, central office administrator. Um, I also bring a, a different state perspective. I have 12 years of experience in Texas, so have seen some similarities in terms of educational reform, what's gone well, what hasn't gone well. Um, so it's been an interesting journey. Oh, terrific. That's interesting too, thinking about kind of your backstory there. And uh, lastly, uh, but not least it, by any stretch here, we have Jack Moles, who yeah, is going to give you his introduction and a little bit too about NERCSA for those that maybe aren't quite familiar. Hi, uh, thanks, Andrew. I'm Jack Moles. I'm the executive director for the Nebraska Rural Community Schools Association. Uh, NERCSA is made up of 212 right now uh, member school districts, ESUs, and a few colleges. And we represent over 80,000 uh, rural school kids in the state of Nebraska. So uh, uh, really a, uh, represent a lot of districts uh, throughout the state. Well, then I kind of want to ask, I guess, because this is a large initiative. It's obviously involving a number of different stakeholder levels <laughs> and uh, quite, just quite a few people were trying to serve with this. And so how did this all get started? Jack, if you'd kind of share the backstory with this collaboration. Well, I, I think I'll give you the long story. <laughs> for sure, go ahead. Uh, back in uh, late April, I got a call from a superintendent of one of our member school districts, and he, and he asked how NERCSA could help them as they look to have a graduation ceremony for their kids. They're being told, no, they can't have one. So I said, well, I, I don't know what I can do, but let me look into it. I uh, talked with the commissioner and he suggested that we come up with some guidelines that schools could use in having a 
graduation ceremony. And so I, I met with several superintendents. I think I think I've had about 50 superintendents sit in on a few different meetings with me to talk about this. And from that, we wrote a document. Uh, there were six superintendents helped me write a document that ended up being adopted by the state as, as a document to be used in planning graduations. From that, our discussions during that time were we probably ought to look at uh, reopening plans too. And, and is there a way nurse that could be involved with that? So I contacted Dr. Shreda and said, here's the idea. Would you like to help me lead this? And he's always good about saying yes. <laughs> and later on, he probably said, what in the world was I thinking of? But but anyway, between the two of us, uh, we uh, put together several committees that would help schools find resources or identify resources that could help them as they develop their reopening plans. And so for oh, the last part of May and all of June, uh, we had, I think, nine committees meeting weekly to come up with ideas on how to develop your plans for reopening. And Vern Fisher was one of the leaders of one of those committees. So uh, the three of us have already been working together on, on a similar project. In that project, we had over 100 NERCSA member superintendents and uh, ESU administrators, and then a few specialists also, but over 100 people working on that document. And uh, we had set a pretty aggressive timeline to try to get it out by the 4th of July weekend. And we were able to do that. I'm really proud of the collaboration that took place in the state. People that had never worked together on anything, all of a sudden they're helping lead committees and really liked what I saw on that. Well, from that, the commissioner of education, Matt Bloomstead, had conversations with John Scretta and Vern Fisher and me about different conversations about we need to help schools as they look toward the possibility of having to go back to remote to develop plans. He wasn't sure, but he was on the same page. I don't know if that's possible for everybody to be on the same page. Right. But, uh, you know, is there something we could do to help schools make those plans? And uh, he told me he'd talked to John and Vern. I said to those guys, are you interested? They said, yep, let's do it. <laughs> so we're gluttons for punishment. From there, we started talking about, you know, th this is really a natural, natural collaborative opportunity for NERCSA and the SUCC. One of my overriding goals of my work with NERCSA is to promote and protect the issues. I don't think everybody values them as much as rural school people do. And so, uh, you know, when I saw that opportunity to do that, I thought that was just a natural. So, so a couple of weeks ago, we jumped right back in. Gosh, and that's so many things in the story you're sharing there. You're talking about, you know, success building upon success and what uh, happens, I think, when people say yes to opportunities to step into leadership roles and to take responsibility to be a part of the solution in the present moment, um, whatever that can sort of ask of you at times, even if uh, you have to build it while you're flying the plane, sometimes that uh, is the way that it plays out. And so certainly grateful for your comments regarding the, the ESU's role uh, in all of this. And so uh, I certainly want to reach out to John here and ask a little bit about, um, talk to me more about the, the, the vision that the three of you and your collaborative efforts at the beginning of this initiative all, how did that play out? I mean, what are we looking to sort of put together here really and speak further to that just collaborative effort? Thanks, Andrew. Um, 
You know, to expound a little bit further upon what Jack said and Jack's outreach to us in terms of an invitation to participate in this sort of collaboration, the group at this point now is much more expansive than just the three of us. And that said, I can assure you that Jack Moles is the godfather. And as the NERC's the godfather, uh, you don't decline an invitation. You know, you, you understand that that invitation is extended with uh, uh, an implicit obligation to participate because it is, in fact, your professional responsibility. And there could be deep and lasting personal repercussions if you fail to rise to the occasion. So uh, I now that said, I will tell you, I have been honored to participate in this because the quality of the collaborative discourse, the discussions that these committees are having has been one of the best professional development experiences of my life. And, and that includes both the considerations for reopening Nebraska schools, which is the, the first collaborative work product that NERCSA membership under Jack's leadership helped to develop and proved to be a very high utility resource for schools to reflect upon and draw practical resources from for reopening their schools this fall. So when the remote learning question came up and was raised to the commissioner, it was embraced by all of us, by me, by Vern, by Jack, and by our colleagues across the state in NERCSA school districts as an opportunity. So what Jack has done is he's used the template or the playbook that was so successful in the reopening considerations to say, let's take a similar approach here with providing schools with simple, accessible, supportive, specific resources for remote learning under commonly addressed categories or areas of focus that school districts need to consider when moving in that direction. And so there are oh gosh, I think seven or so different subcommittees under the leadership and watchful eye of, of Jack as we work to consider resources and programs to help teachers, strategies for administrators to help, professional development, strategies for evaluating the success of remote learning programs and initiatives, strategies for providing special services to meet the needs of uh, students who have special needs in a remote environment, strategies for helping parents, and the big issue of connectivity, so profoundly important in rural settings. So it's uh, already brimming with potential and something that I think is only going to offer uh, just an abundance of resources for schools to draw upon. Yeah, and John, I appreciate there that you're kind of talking us through some of those those groups, like you mentioned, special services and parents. But uh, uh, I, I don't, let's go even nuts and bolts a little bit more here and get into identifying what those subcommittees are. And, and in doing so, uh, it really will help us to acknowledge just how robust this resource will be when we finally kind of get to the, the end product with this. And uh, Vern, as a Superintendent yourself, I'm sure that you're very well aware of the many challenges that face uh, our schools at the present moment. And so you want to talk us through some of those subcommittees and how you think that will influence the work that's being done to, to try to be the best resource it can be for the schools that this would serve. Andrew, I don't want to follow John. He, I don't have my thesaurus <laughs> nor my dictionary. I don't want to follow him. 
<laughs> you're, you're okay. I'm a simple talker as well, Vern, so you're in good company. Well, what's been wonderful about this whole experience is there are two members of the steering committee that is represented leading each of those committees. In association with that, John, uh, Jack, and I tried to attend, one of us tried to attend at least one of those committees. So there's a, a feedback loop between the committees and the steering committee. And what we're finding is, you know, there are unique challenges for schools, whether they're large or small, but those challenges are very real. And what we wanted to do was instead of putting together a lot of information, we wanted to get enough information that superintendents had at their disposal that they could access quickly and they can use that information within their school setting to help improve the services that they're providing, whether that's in remote settings, hybrid settings, or uh, tackling the issues of connectivity. Um, what I have found um, just through my own experience is that each of these committees, um, although they have a isolated topic, it's not isolated. The, the topics are weaving in and out of each of the subcommittees. So it'll be interesting to see as we progress in this journey, where each of those committees lie and how we might form or how this might transform into something different because the issues do weave in and out of each of the committees. So just to summarize really quickly of all those committees and what we're focusing on, uh, we're really concerned about supporting our classroom teachers in an extremely stressful time. So without uh, introducing something new or different, what is out there that we can uh, utilize at our disposal and talk about from a nurse perspective, how can we enhance our support of our staff, whether that's an instructional strategy via virtual environment, or it's just something as simple as the use of Zoom. But we also need to remain cognizant that administrators are getting a lot of information. Well, administratively too, we, we understand that they want to serve as wonderful support for their classroom teachers. So how can we help them help, help classroom teachers, but also how can we help each other? John alluded to earlier that there's great leadership and wisdom, and there's, this is a wonderful professional development opportunity. Um, I've learned more in the last six months interacting with administrators, ESU, and uh, that has helped me be a better leader and has helped me be a better support for our staff and our students. The big hitters here are schools last spring approached remote learning differently. So schools are at different places in terms of how they transitioned in and out of a remote learning environment. And the anxiety is if we move back into that environment, how do we ensure that learning continues and whether or not how that happens, how can we assess whether or not we're doing a good job. And folks really wanna do a good job. So how can they learn from that experience from each other to grow what they provide for their, their staff? So I was gonna say very quickly, it is important to note that what happened in the spring is not necessarily the types of resources and things we're trying to develop for the upcoming moment, right? And so the spring was in many cases about enrichment, uh, the tech piece or the connectivity wasn't necessarily as robust as it is now. And so many districts that maybe it were previously paper and pencil have now moved into more of a digital environment. Uh, and with that move, it's, it's going to give them different capacity for what they're able to do. And so we have to bring some support around that. John, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we were uh, actually engaged in a conversation about that on one of the committees just earlier this morning, which is that we're going to look back at the spring of that duration, essentially from the onset of school closures in March through May, 
as lessons learned and kind of conduct an after action review and draw from that what we can. But no one at this point is going to drop their head in shame and immerse themselves in the minutia of examining and scrutinizing that period of time, because instead it's, hey, what can we extract from that going forward to be more strategic, more purposeful, and basically more targeted in our instructional supports for student learning during remote periods ahead. And Jack has been really phenomenal about sharing with uh, ESU administrators and school superintendents that the quality of leadership during that whole initial phase of pandemic was exceptional and that we need to not only acknowledge that, we need to celebrate that, and we need to take advantage of what we learn uh, to pr provide a product that will help enhance what schools are already doing in public schools. Yeah, I, I could not have, to go back and look at what administrators and teachers did in the spring was just such a phenomenal thing to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of uh, faith in, in people at that time. It did even, it grew because of that, because of what they did. And uh, looking at, at where we were then and where schools are going to be now, it's light years away, I think. I just think we have, we have an opportunity to move forward now. And, and before it was almost just uh, treading water. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that Jack and that it's, it's such a sensitive time because you're right. I was so proud of our educators statewide, nationally across the world <laughs> during the spring. And, um, and I think it's okay to, to then also at the same time say that there is still room to grow as, as John was pointing out there. And so Vern, as we look to bring some supports around that, I guess, to, yeah, and we started to get to it, uh, but I think just kind of maybe identifying those specific groups uh, that the subcommittees are designed to try to help out with this initiative would be good to, yeah, just, just to mention. Well, to help address the, that part of the equation, this committee or this effort is a spinoff of the original effort shared earlier. So not only do we have school superintendents and ESU folks, we have uh, directors of special education, teachers, those with more knowledge around technology, helping feed information in each of these committees. So we have a more broad-based uh, perspective as we approach this, this particular initiative. So just to touch lightly on each of those, we have concerns about connectivity within individual school districts and the ability of kids to access internet. So how might we help schools and students or families access internet? You know, parents want to be successful in helping their kids and what is it that we can do to help parents help their children survive in a remote or alternate learning environment? Challenges come with students with special needs and those who are our ELL folks. So um, what can we do from a special needs or special populations perspective that might not have been considered in the past or that we have utilized in the past that will help us enhance our ability to respond to students with unique learning needs? A big conversation, and John alluded to that earlier, is I think folks are genuinely concerned about the product that they put in front of their, their students, staff, and community. So is there a way to effectively evaluate our effort, and what would that evaluation look like, and not do it in, from such a microscopic perspective, but getting big picture information quickly that would feed individual school districts, school improvement teams, uh, school boards, information that would say this is going well but we need to respond differently here and then the the obvious one is professional development 
we don't want to create a new vein of training, but there is a lot of good things happening already in public schools. So how can we identify those strategies that can help one another, help support teaching and learning, but also address collective efficacy where teachers are really confident what they're doing is having an impact on, on students. Yeah, Vernon, that's the one uh, subcommittee that I've had the opportunity to be invested in, and that's been creating the teacher resources. And and I guess I should say, too, the professional development piece of it as well. I'm a member of that group, but, but leadership on the first. And it's something that uh, is so challenging because you have everything you just shared, right, that, that we stand to grow in this space so much, but at the same time want to operate in a way that respects the mental health and wellness of our educators in what is certainly a a unique and stressful time. And so how do we make, and and this has been a reoccurring theme over the course of this conversation, is we want these to be effective, we want them to be timely, and we also want them to be efficient. Uh, That that teachers aren't necessarily going to be interested in going through 80 pages to learn (laughs) about something in this moment. We need things that are kind of quick fixes for incremental change. Uh, And so that's kind of been the vision for, at least from the teacher resources standpoint, some of the things that we've put together where um, we said, hey, within about three clicks, it'd be great if you could arrive (laughs) at something that in three to five minutes will give you uh, some reassurance that that this is possible to do in a remote uh, online environment, that that there are ideas out there around that for you to at least start to experiment and explore. Uh, And maybe some of the tools that will help you carry with you from the classroom, some of those things that you know are uh, best practices with students. Uh, And so uh, we put together this website that does, and this is certainly prototype, we'll probably expand this and add other pieces in, but at the moment it kind of has four buckets to it. And one is to say, hey, can, can we help teachers that are new to a device, that are new to video conferencing? And how do you navigate things like Zoom or Google Meet or Microsoft Teams? And so I actually worked with the Department of Education to identify what are the four most common used uh, devices, four most common in terms of video conferencing, four most common LMS systems, which is a kind of the second bucket, that communication tools uh, that help us to make sure that parents students, that there's clarity in the message and also the workflow, you know, is obviously something that we've tried to streamline uh, and bring some supports around. Uh, And then from there, you kind of get into almost an instructional framework where, hey, we still need to have instruction. We still need to have some activities where we make sure learners know what they know and what they don't prior to actually getting the opportunity to do 30 math problems. (laughs) And, you know, because if if you just share a video and somebody gets a five out of 30 on their homework, there's a disconnect there. And so, you know, we're trying to bring in some pieces and say, let's let's make sure that we have that check for understanding piece. And here's what it could look like in a remote space and and really even moving as far into things like uh, assessment. So many of us are used to multiple choice types of assessments um, where at this point, if you're at home, you, you could ask Siri or Alexa you know, for, for an answer to some of those types of things. And so how we accurately go about assessing where students are at is going to look a little different. So that was kind of bucket three was just say that stru- instructional framework needs to be there. Uh, and then we have to also grow to incorporate all the things we know to be important, like SEBLs, that social emotional behavioral learning, 
Do we have the ability to, to establish norms in these different environments to make sure that, hey, this is what it looks like to have an effective conversation online? <laughs> and are we teaching students how to be successful with that? So I kind of got on a roll there, fellas. Sorry, but I get excited talking about these things. This is the, the vision, though, is within about two to three clicks, we could get to a very short piece uh, that would certainly help teachers to get started with their thinking in that space. Well, Andrew, we're, we're excited that you are involved and in a leadership role in this project because th this is such a great example. You as uh, having the intellectual and technical capability to produce the sort of website that we're talking about, that was a, an early topic of discussion and deliberation among the steering committee members was how can we compile resources that are as vast as the internet out there right now for remote learning, but make sure that we curate those and arrange those in a way that within two to three clicks, somebody can get a resource that is effective, that is efficient, that is timely, and that addresses a pressing need that a teacher uh, a principal, a superintendent needs to address in a timely fashion, understanding the urgency of the moment and the imperative that we, we've got to be able to provide critical supports to schools. And that is where I see the mission of NERCSA and ESUCC as the coordinating council meshing with one another really well, which is saying, how can we leverage these great resources and the amazing personnel like Andrew who are serving the state to be able to support the needs of schools during this time. And the, the website configuration that Andrew's describing and, and uh, Andrew, I feel like you're underselling it a little bit because personally, when we looked at it, it's like, this is an awesome framework for accessing resources and it's gonna be tremendously beneficial. Why? Primarily because it's gonna help schools avoid the rabbit hole of analysis paralysis, and instead by topic and by area, allow schools to within a few clicks, grab onto some really helpful resources. So we're super excited about that and about your involvement, Andrew. What I see as a byproduct of this effort is that we're not only focusing on a transition into a remote learning environment, everything that we're talking about will transform teaching and learning down the road. So. This, this should be something that's a continuation of our um, professional growth and development, should support what we currently have in place and only enhance what we're doing that we'll be able to respond more effectively and efficiently should this continue to be the norm for us. But also these are things that we can take back into a traditional setting and feel more confident deploying down the road. Well, and I've just been so excited about the collaborative efforts that I know we keep referencing here, but uh, in f filling out the resources for the four buckets that we're talking about trying to fill, it has uh, been everything from reaching out to tech companies and finding what their most effective and efficient means are for helping us onboard teachers or, or get them to be able to just navigate some of the things that their devices can potentially do uh, to 
uh, I've reached out to our TLT and SDA leadership uh, and trying to lean into that kind of professional development network that we have within the ESUs and people are signing up for different video topics and we're just going to have some fun little podcasts like three to five minute uh, conversations around. And this is, this is really important. I want to stress this so much that not the way to do it, not the way, but ideas for, because uh, I think sometimes when we share resources, there's a tendency for that to uh, feel like you're sort of ordering that this is <laughs> the, the one way of thinking about this um, versus just trying to create dialogue and, I, and generate ideas for, for people that are moving into a, a space that it's new um, and, and it's ever-changing. And, and you're right, uh, Vern, that we have a lot of people who have experience in person with leveraging some of these tools effectively that now we can extend that conversation to the remote. Uh, and then when we return back to whatever that new normal looks like, I think that there's a silver lining there that we'll be all the better for with all this being said, and I, I'm going to bring this up and stress myself out probably at the same time, but um, the timeliness of this <laughs> is really important uh, where, you know, if this isn't going to be ready until next August, I, I don't know if it quite has the same uh, uh, impact that we would like. And so, uh, Jack, in your conversations with the commissioner you know, and really in setting all of this up, um, when can people expect some of these materials to be available? Yeah, we, uh, between John and Vern and I and Craig Lofquist, uh, had a lot of discussion on what is the right time. And, and my joke is uh, last March. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, but we missed that. We missed uh, the beginning of the school year, too. Uh, so uh, really what we're looking at is for schools as they enter the, the winter break to have something in place to use as they move forward in case they don't aren't able to come out of the winter break, I guess, for some reason, but, but to give them that information then. So what we did is we kind of backdated from there. And uh, what we looked at was uh, maybe in early December, pushing out the, the whatever it is we have, document or website or whatever it is, uh, by early December. So we've kind of targeted in on maybe December 4th as being a target date which makes our committee work move up that much faster because, uh, I mean, a lot to do, but you also got Thanksgiving in the middle of that. So uh, actually what we've kind of said is uh, maybe by uh, November 20th for our committees to kind of have something in place to push out to the steering committee and then uh, uh, have the development go into, into process. And then, uh, like I said, uh, December 4th is kind of a target date. Yeah, and by the time this this podcast airs, we'll be sitting about a week away from that uh, November twentieth date. So it uh, it is remarkable just how quickly uh, this has come together and how responsive <laughs> collaborative efforts have been uh, towards doing this uh, as quickly as possible, but quality at the same time. And so, Jack, I know that's kind of where your heart is too with uh, with this as far as the collaboration goes. You want to just speak to what you uh, yourself have kind of seen. You know, I, I think I referenced it earlier, but I'll go back to it is, is just the, the pride I have in watching people work together as well as they have. And this goes back to uh, our, our project this summer also. Uh, but the leadership that I saw in so many Nebraska administrators and uh, in the summer and then now they're because when I went back to people and said, hey, what do you think? After they put in all that work in the summer, they said, let's go. We're ready to hit it again. Uh, you know, Burn jumped right on when I when I brought it up. 
uh, John could have said, you know what, let somebody else help lead. He didn't, he jumped right in. And uh, committee heads uh, had led committees for us last summer and they said, yeah, we wanna do it. And a couple of them said, you know, I really missed what we did in the summer. I wanted to do something like that again. Which brings to me, you know, good educators, I think are good servants. And, and that's what people are doing. They're, they're serving. Uh, well, thanks for serving this initiative in that leadership role and, and being the, the godfather, as John said, and bringing us all, all together. Now, now, I wanted to say earlier, uh, John came on because I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrific. That's terrific. Well, uh, John Byrne, any closing messages? Uh, it's just been a real honor being a part of all of this. John's mentioned it's a great uh, professional development experience. It's one of the experiences that uh, really has changed my perspective on leadership, um, how I view education in general, and it's, it's broadened my perspective of the talent that exists in public schools across the state of Nebraska, not only in a leadership perspective, but from what's happening in ESU's classrooms all across the state. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a really wonderful springboard for schools in whatever contingency or circumstance they may land for remote instruction, it's gonna be helpful and beneficial to them. And it's just a privilege to work with you guys and with, with the three of you, as well as the other NERCSA members and ESU officials who've been involved in this. It's, it's, uh, it's been great and we're really excited for uh, what that final web-based product will look like as far as resources, thanks. Do we get royalties off the podcast? <laughs> I will give you a share of everything that it brings in. I can tell you that. You can actually have 100% of it. <laughs> oh, but, uh, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your, your time uh, in sharing this out. We certainly wanted to communicate this ahead of the release date so people can be expecting that. That helps on the way. Uh, and I, I want to echo what Jack said in that I just think that there's a real energy that comes from collaboration and work that is meaningful that you know is actually going to come to fruition. And so um, when you're getting stuff done, it's fun to be able to be a part of that. And so thanks for your everyone's leadership uh, in this collective effort and be looking for that resource soon. Thanks.